Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Private Wealth Team at Safri Champness. My name is Leonora Stevens and I'm a partner in the Private Wealth Team based in Bristol. I'm joined virtually today by Mike Hodges, who's the head of our Private Wealth Team at Safri's. Mike's based in the Manchester office. Oh, Oops, hi, Matthew. I'm talking over you already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're also delighted to be joined today by Jason Lane, uh, a tax partner in our London office, who is a specialist in many areas, in particular divorce. He is also the author of Tax and Family Breakdown, published by the Law Society and available on Amazon, I hear. Um, Jason reports as an expert in family proceedings on share valuation and tax and forensic accountancy matters. Hello, Jason. Hi, Leo. Yes, if you go to Amazon, it is on the um the bestseller list, but rather low down, I think, in the ranking. <laughs> but Jason, there are only three copies left. So well, it'll have to be republished, won't it? And updated well, for the latest changes in um, tax law on separation and divorce. Absolutely. But I was going to say, if listeners are keen, if with only three, they need to act fast. And I'm sure you would autograph a copy, wouldn't you, if they were to buy it and send it to you? I'd be delighted, yes. <laughs> Um, as you can probably assume from my introduction to Jason, today's podcast will focus on tax matters relating to divorce. This will cover tax and practical matters you may wish to consider if you're thinking about getting a divorce or you're going through the midst of it now, or indeed if you've got a client who's going through divorce and you want to gain a bit more understanding of the various steps and things to consider. So Jason, what you know are the first things that clients should consider from a tax perspective if they are thinking about getting divorced? Well, I would first of all start by saying that they have to look at the type of divorce that they are wanting because there are various different procedures they could go through. So they could look at mediation, which is a quite cost-effective route. They could look at a collaborative type divorce, which is an out-of-court option, or they could go for the more traditional route. And each of those has cost implications and will depend on the assets that they have and the complexity of their tax affairs. And if um, people want to get some more information about those various different processes, then there's a very good website called divorce.co.uk, which is very easy to remember, which gives an outline of how they may go about approaching divorce and uh, whether they need to appoint a lawyer and exactly the path they wish to follow. But in terms of tax, I mean, the, uh, the key issue that we come across time and again is the tax year of separation, which is very important because assets can be transferred between um, a separating couple tax-free during that tax year. But the legislation has been changed. So with effect from 5th of April this year, couples now have at least a three-year window of opportunity to transfer assets between each other without crystallizing any immediate tax liabilities. And if they have those uh, transfers put through a court order, then in fact, the time limit is now unlimited. So that's a a, a great relaxation to the original rules, which were quite restrictive and forced couples into a position where often they didn't have enough time to complete their asset transfers uh, in time and then would crystallise unwelcome tax liabilities, which favoured neither party nor indeed any of the children of the marriage. I suppose that would add quite a lot of pressure on it, wasn't it, trying to get it, especially if they only announced in the beginning of March that they were going to get a divorce. That's absolutely right. And of course, if you do things in a hurry, often things get missed or uh, people then regret doing the transfers because they hadn't got time to consider the full ramifications. I suppose looking at, you know, if we look at our sort of clients and what, what sort of assets people are 
dividing up i mean obviously the family home is quite a big one but that one's a relatively simple one from a cgt perspective isn't it yes i mean particularly if one of the parties remains in the family home and one party moves out then in effect you can uh, retain the existing uh, main residence exemption uh, whilst that's the case other assets that have complexities are in relation to second homes uh, buy to let any investment portfolios that might need to be transferred. So, but the family home can generally speaking be dealt with fairly cleanly and uh, without any tax implications. Okay. I was going to say an investment portfolio, if they've just got an investment portfolio, would that not be relatively simple to divvy up on the basis if they agree that it's it's split 50-50 or what, in the year of separation? Or where's the added complex on that? So uh, if it's done in the tax year of separation, then that's quite straightforward. Obviously, with the recent relaxation that's coming in after 5th of April, then uh, you've got a minimum period of three years to do it. So that is now much easier to sort of operate. The complexities come where you've got um, international clients who may be non-domiciled and you've got investment portfolios that they've kept offshore and they may be subject to the remittance basis of taxation, in which case um, you need to take care that if you make a transfer that's remitted to the UK, it doesn't crystallise an immediate tax liability for the person making the transfer. But you can, particularly for couples that are non-domiciled, you can make transfers offshore, and then the recipient spouse can then bring those assets into the UK after decree absolute without any remittance problems for the person that made the original transfer. So I suppose that that emphasizes the planning point and where time is of the you know where you need the time to be able to get everything set up and get your ducks in a row to get the most tax efficient outcome. Absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, and the importance of taking early advice, particularly where you've got clients with complex tax affairs. Yeah. And what, what would you say is your your role typically for a divorcing client and if if they if someone came in to see you what would be on your checklist of things to to discuss at the first meeting um well it often depends on at what stage they approach us uh, uh sometimes it may be the case that we get instructed by a lawyer at an early stage to review the disclosure process um from either the the party that's instructing us or from the other side which is a case of reviewing the form E, which is the formal process where assets get disclosed, then identifying uh, questions to ask in relation to the information that's been provided, or indeed how to report something on the form E for the, from, from the basis of full transparency. And then it's the case of in- interpreting accounts, looking at valuations that have been proposed of assets, particularly for us in relation to private businesses, and also considering any inherent or contingent tax that may arise if there was to be a disposal of an asset in question. When when assets transfer between husband and wife on divorce, there's no inheritance tax implication on that, is there? Other than, than holding the assets in their own name and having a larger estate, which would be subject to inheritance tax. So before decree absolute, then the couple are still married for all for, for inheritance tax purposes. So um, any assets transferred between them, you have the spouse exemption for IHT. And then after decree absolute, if assets transfer between them as part of a court order, then in effect, it's not a gift as it might be for inheritance tax. So uh, it's 
typically sort of seen as a sort of a, a bargain at arm's length. So there's no inherited tax implications either, provided any transfers are part of a, a divorce. Hmm. And where would you say sort of the common areas where people have had sort of unnecessary complications in their divorce that could have been avoided had they had the advice earlier on? I know we spoke about remittance basis and non-DOMs, but are there any other areas that you would say are sort of things you've seen quite a few times and you thought, oh, if only they'd come to see me earlier? Typically, it might be on capital gains tax. Uh, historically, now, in relation to, uh, for example, you might have a couple where they have uh, invested in a share portfolio with large inherent gains. And um, you know that the asset's going to be split, let's say, 50-50. And therefore, before the end of the tax year of separation, you want to transfer a large proportion of that portfolio on a no gain, no loss basis. And obviously, if that's done after the end of the tax year, so there would normally be a capital gains tax liability uh, crystallised, which would be very unnecessary. But now some of those issues have fallen away for disposals taking place on or after the 5th of April this year. So that's that's a welcome reduction in complexity. Stamp duty land tax can sometimes cause issues in relation to couples who have more than one home, but a spouse is looking to buy another family home but in fact, because they have an interest in an existing property, and let's say they don't own the existing family home and they're buying a new property, they will be stung with the additional 3% surcharge on buying what is going to be their new family home, but they're not replacing their old family home because they don't have an interest in it. So you can have stamp duty land tax issues uh, around sort of acquisition of homes on divorce. No, that's stamp duty is a good, good point on that one. Um, mm. And then um, one other question, actually, that the client did ask me once as to whether the receipt of maintenance was a form of taxable income or a deduction for the other side. I'm assuming it's not, as in it's not a taxable source of income or tax deductible expense. That's correct. So uh, for a long time, yeah, the receipt of maintenance is not uh, a source of taxable income for the recipient and it's also not tax deductible for the spouse who's paying it. So that was specifically legislated for some time ago. Mike, have you got any um, any sort of tips or war stories or I think the, the, I would say clearly it's it's a time of huge emotions. So sometimes the the, the finances fall to, to the wayside. So the so the extension is is really useful. I'd be interested because you've got way more experience than I have on this, Jason. The the concept of the, the tax year of permanent separation, I've had discussions on where there's been trial separation uh, going on between a couple. And, and I don't know, have you had experience of the revenue challenging that? Likely to be less of a, an issue, I appreciate, post the changes from, from the start of the next tax year. But I just wonder if you've come across that in real life. I think HMRC have probably been reluctant to delve into the minutiae of people's sort of private lives. So I've not mm. come across it in practice. I mean, there there is a specific case about where a couple are, are living together, but they may well be separated, but they're still living in the same house. 
Yes. And if they're sort of eating separately and they've divided up all the rooms, but for financial reasons and for the importance of the children, they are sort of living in the same house together. But in fact, they are separated for tax purposes. And so you can have circumstances like that. Um, but I think the revenue manual suggests that, I mean, unless there's significant tax at stake, the revenue are unlikely to sort of look at the precise detail of, uh, of some of these arrangements. Hmm. And as you say now, with the relaxation for the uh, tax year of separation rules, I suspect that we won't see any inquiries from HMRC on this particular aspect going forward. Yeah, I guess depending on the state of the property market, you could still have the horror story every now and then of some a property not being able not selling for longer than the the new three year limit. Uh, and I've certainly seen HMRC get into the minute detail if we're looking at main residence relief, separate relief. Obviously, although it, you know it's, it it can be relevant in matrimonial situations where they will look at all of the detail about where people are registered for council tax, where post is being delivered, et cetera, et cetera. So it's interesting if they take a slightly more, can we call it sympathetic view in a, in a divorce? Yeah. And the other aspect, of course, is chattels. And if you have chattels being transferred between a couple and to the extent that the market value of, of those chattels is more than £6,000, then in theory, you would have potential capital gains tax reporting. And in a divorce situation, obviously, the couple may well split valuable assets like artwork and paintings, etc. And so in the past, you could have uh, potential disclosures to be made on chattel transfers. Mm. Um, but whether that's picked up sufficiently, either by the couple or their accountants or the lawyers, I'm not sure. It's not so sure. We do actually cover the taxation of uh, the CGT on chattels in one of our previous podcasts, Jason, on uh, gifting assets to your children. <laughs> well, that's excellent news. Indeed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like to be thorough. We like to be thorough. As long as people are reading, listening to the whole series of podcasts, that would be lovely. Surely, um, surely not, Leo. Surely they listen to one and think, crikey, that's tax. <laughs> there must be something more exciting out there. I'll shut up now. Well, I, 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 well, we hopefully we've got a group of uh, loyal listeners. At least my husband is, anyway. Uh, or he's and your children, and your and children, children, aren't they, Leo? Yeah, and I, my children. <laughs> those of you who don't know, I think Leo listens when we've recorded these. Leo listens back to them in the car with her children, with <laughs> rap, paying rapt attention, aren't they? Or well, we'll get, we'll get them to be tax advisors yet, so uh, they may only be three and five. Anyway. <laughs> Um, thank you very much, Jason uh, and Mike. It's been a really interesting discussion today. I would add that we have got a bulletin or briefing on our website covering um, sort of the more technical tax that, um, points that you should consider on divorce. Uh, and that's say so that's available on our website. We work with a wide range of clients. Many are UK based and many live overseas, but have interests here, whether that's property, business interests or investments. We advise individuals and families on how best to safeguard, maintain and enhance their wealth and on the most appropriate methods of passing on that wealth to the next generation. We also help people comply with the tax rules in the UK, which can be complex. If you'd like to find out more about Safri Champs and how we can help you, please head over to the website www.safri.com. However, it's important for me to stress that if you're considering any of the topics discussed today, you must always take professional advice based on your individual circumstances. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.